Hello and welcome to Studio Sessions, the big red and shiny podcast where we talk with artists about the ideas, inspiration, and processes that go into their work. I'm your host Matt Coleman, and this episode I'll be speaking with Stacy Sibeli. Stacy earned her BFA at the Massachusetts College of Art in 2004, and her MFA from the School of Visual Arts in 2009. Stacy has long used fabric and clothing to make her work. While many of her pieces were previously wearable or interactive, Lately, she has transitioned to using these materials to make pieces that function more as pure visual works of art. Join me as Stacy discusses the evolution her pieces have gone through and her interest in clothing as an artistic muse. Hi, Stacy. How you doing? Good. Good. Thanks for being here with me. Thank you. And so we're here at the Proof Gallery, the distillery in the south end of Boston. You got to show up now. Uh, what's the title of the show? Vowels. Vowels. And um, we were discussing, I mentioned when I walked in that it looks really similar to the work you've done, but you were saying how it's also very different. So what kind of transition do you think you've made from your previous work to what you have now? Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of the previous work that I had been doing um, for the past maybe four years since I finished grad school at uh, School of Visual Arts in New York, um, was a lot of interactive sculpture um, based around clothing. So like you said, it is really similar uh, in the fact that these are also clothing-based sculptures. But the the interactive stuff um, in particular, um, I like to talk about Made with Love, which was a project where I made 300 garments that were all knitwear based um, ambiguous shaped garments so they had weird armholes and weird neck holes and tubes and stuff so they were loosely based on the structure of clothing but um, they weren't your you know really normal pieces so you have to figure out how to wear them in in a Mm -hmm. different way Um, so I would invite the public to come and sort of interpret those and kind of complete the sculpture for me and the idea with that was that I wanted to call attention to uh, the fact that two things, um, that uh, clothing is a, an abstract you know, object in itself that we just don't think about very much, and mm. you know, if you look at some of the structure, and, and I think a lot of that comes out um, with the constructed pieces in the show, um, because I'm, I'm talking about how, sem- how close that line is, how, how narrow the margin is between something that is functional and something that is, is not functional. Um, and how far you can push the limits of that. Um, and so uh, that was sort of one side of Made With Love. And then the other thing was just to kind of um, bring up the fact that every day we, we en- enact these creative um, endeavors, uh, such as getting dressed, and, and that um, life can have a certain kind of richness to it when you are uh, more aware of that. So I wanted, to, I wanted people to experience that, you know, directly... Uh, in the moment, in the in the event, to to kind of um, bring attention to that. So this work is the opposite of that, mm-hmm. <laughs> in the sense it's that becoming you, yeah, wall hanging, yeah. not and, decorative, but you know, <clears throat> visual, formal, yeah. yeah. And you can't wear it really; like mm-hmm. it's it's not interactive. It's I think you get that same idea though. Like it's conceptually interactive. You're kind of um, putting your body in it in, in your mind rather than actually physically doing it which I think might um, maybe that's stronger you know maybe that's a little bit more at the heart 
of what I'm doing and doesn't make people feel so nervous about, you know, kind of performing themselves in front of people because that was part of it. You know, you got into this garment and then you would take a picture in it mm-hmm. and it sort of existed as, as the moment of, of a temporary sculpture. Uh, so um, I would say that's kind of the the relationship of the two. And in between that, there's been a couple of sort of interactive pieces like that that have resonated like that. Mm-hmm. And some of these pieces we're studying by up here... Um, you said they were deconstructive pieces where you're just taking existing things and uh, splaying them apart in different ways. And I can kind of see where that's exploring more of the aesthetic qualities of the clothing, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's happening more in some of the other ones where you're like, they still like look like pants and things. And uh, you can recognize them as like wearable objects of clothing, but they've been altered so that they're not wearable. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I guess, what's the different um, ways that you're looking at the clothing in these two settings here? Um, so, yeah, these are two bodies of work that have kind of come together simultaneously. Um, all of this work has kind of come together in the past maybe three or four months, which is really fast. Uh, and um, the they go together. These are deconstructions. So these are found objects that are... Um, taken apart, splayed out, like you said. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and with these, <clears throat> excuse me, um, uh, I'm interested in the structure of clothing and uh, allowing the viewer to kind of see that. So yes, they're formal, mm-hmm. but I'm also interested in that thing that I was talking about before where clothing that we interact with, um, when it's placed like this, uh, exists in a different way for us. We're allowed to appreciate it in a more formal and artistic way, but it's still just a jacket, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, these... That's the jacket there. I couldn't really recognize that Yeah, (laughs) yes. That's the the center back seam of the the thing. That's the color. And the same thing. It's also a men's tailored jacket. And this one um, is a great piece because when I opened this jacket up that had all this... um, in innards to it, the, the tailoring innards, like this is horsehair lining and all that stitching, that white stitching, I didn't do, that was uh-huh. found, you know, so uh, and, and this like bright yellow that you, you just never know that that's on the inside of what you're wearing, and I love that, and I, I also love using the found objects because they have this sort of life of their own before I have it, and I... Yeah, it I, seems like it's probably something that's a little older if it's got horsehair and stuff in it. Uh, possibly, you never, you never so, really know. Something that's got a little more craft to it than a, like, machine-made thing. Yeah. I was surprised with this one, though, because it didn't even have a full lining. So usually, mm. you know, it looked like a cheap jacket to me, and you can feel it, but I, I usually just pick them up for the aesthetic purposes, and I kind of like to be surprised. Mm-hmm. But, you know, even when I'm working on them, I can smell the person, you know, in it, because it, sometimes it's been washed, sometimes you can smell the detergent, um, and these thrift stores, it's all these... Yeah, you know, hopefully it's not a bad experience. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I usually try not to. But, you know, even in the pockets, there's crumbs and, and weird. Sometimes this one had a little pink bow. I should have actually... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, So, I think this entire body of work, both the constructed pieces down there, which are not those are none of those are found objects; those are all um, totally constructed. Um, And um, uh, so, all of these are kind of about the space between things, and it. That idea runs the gamut for me. Um, 
I think that that's because uh, last year I was living in Boston for a year and a half, and last semester I was teaching in Boston and at Rutgers in New Jersey. So every week I would drive back and forth from New York to Boston, mm-hmm. and uh, I didn't have a real home. Like I had two half situations. I spent a lot of time in my car essentially in between two spaces and it was a really bizarre experience that has really kind of uh, resonated apparently with me because all of these are sort of in some way shape or form about that and uh you know I reference bridges a lot in um in the downstairs in the um constructed pieces um you'll see a lot of bridge shapes and um, holes and kind of that idea of passing over crossing through things um, which also just conceptually with my life, I think, has been a sort of experience I've been going through. And so um, this work sort of exists on three levels, kind of like a lot of different things that um, I experience in my life. Like my decision-making process is, you know, usually a war between like the brain, the heart, and the stomach, right? Mm-hmm. And so I would say that this work kind of exists on those three levels um, where it's about functionality, um, uh, physicality and metaphysicality. So the the constructed pieces um, are referencing clothing again, like I said, uh, in that space between functionality. And I use I'm referencing the clothing because um, it's a language, you know, hence, hence the name vowels. Mm-hmm. Um, but they weren't clothing before you made them into clothing like shapes. Is that right? Or? No, they no, they're okay. fabric. Okay. Uh, I'm, I have a pattern making. I worked at Simplicity Pattern Company for seven years, so <laughs> it's that also has started to finally bleed into the work where I'm I'm playing with the idea of pattern making a lot. Like if anybody's made clothing, they should come see the show or look at this work because it's very much about dressmaking and pattern making and tricks and uh, trying to figure out like how it's actually made and stuff. That, that aside, um, they are referencing clothing in that they have pockets. Some of the shapes are similar to clothing. And I wanted to talk about um, the idea, like I said, functionality, of, that clothing is, is probably one of the most intimate objects that we interact with. Um, we, we cover our bodies in it, and we um, form extreme emotional attachments to clothing, unlike any other thing for, yeah. that's based on kind of no real there's no real rhyme or reason to what we form attachments to some people like you're saying it's like sometimes people's only mode of creative outlet is like how they dress themselves the decisions they make in that like exactly somebody who works in an office all day might not get to do any other creative thinking exactly exactly <laughs> and 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 you can paint yourself you know through that you know that kind of communication uh we don't really have the ability to do that um and, um, you know, they, they become part of our bodies in a way that some other things don't. So, so uh, taking away the functionality for that puts these things in this weird limbo zone between something that we want to form an attachment to and something that we, we kind of can't quite get into, you know, physically, emotionally, all that. Um, and, and they're specifically kind of, um, you know, my friend was looking at them and called them pants enough. You know, so they're not all finished. There's no waistband seat. There's no zippers, but there's pockets. You know, uh, or or certain certain references to certain parts of clothing that are just enough for you to get the idea of what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's that's what the functionality uh, part of it is. And then um, and then, like I said, the physicality, which it, it was about 
the space between things and sort of um, traversing, uh, you know, driving back and forth and, and the physicality of actually sewing and making things. And, and these call attention to that too. I mean, all of this work is um, sewing is, is this kind of um, meditative experience, uh, especially after doing it for so long that uh, at this point I kind of transcend when I'm, when I'm in the studio and I'm able to go into some sort of autopilot, which I've realized is, is actually a very similar experience to driving. You know, you're, mm-hmm. you're engaged um, performatively. Uh, you know, you, you have to move your body and, and you're, you're doing these, these uh, tasks that are, um, you know, they're, they're automated at, at a, after a certain point. You don't have to mm-hmm. think about it. And your eyes are engaged. You're, you're intaking visual uh, information. But um, then your mind goes somewhere else. Yeah, especially on the highway, you don't need to like actively think about it that much. You don't, and you, you and get. If off, you do, you probably shouldn't be driving. Right, exactly. <laughs> and it, you even like when you tr- when you travel the same route so many times, you get off the exit, you don't even remember it. You know, it, mm-hmm. you're somewhere else. Your brain goes to uh, another state of consciousness, and um, and that when you're doing meaningful work like sewing. Or, or like driving for me is, is somewhat meaningful. Um, I think that kind of experience um, allows for some sort of, uh, you know, growth and, and richness. Um, and uh, I think I think that that is a lot what this this work is about. Is just a kind of understanding that and processing the information. And there's a lot of doubles in this. Um, the splaying, everything is symmetrical and split, mm-hmm. and a lot of the pants are, are two pairs of pants, either connected or... Yeah, it makes like a big loop sometimes, uh-huh. or big X shape of the, the being joined at the waist. Exactly. And so uh, I think uh, there's been a lot of doubles in my work for a long time. I made these tickle machines that connected <laughs> two people together. Tell me about these. Arms. <laughs> yeah. There, it's a series um, of tickle machines called Sabotage, and uh, I wanted to make a piece about sabotage, which was um, a violent thing, you know, the idea of uh, grappling for power. And so I didn't want it to be a violent piece, and so I was like, I could do people pushing or, you know, and then I was like, oh man, well, it just has to be tickling. It came to me like, you know, like a, like genius visits you, you know, I was like, yeah. ah. uh, and so, um, the garment holds two people together with their hands in each other's armpits. So you have to negotiate who tickles who, uh, and that, do you want to see an image of that or? You, um, I think I remember seeing yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, you kind of have to, if you decide to tickle, you're vulnerable to being tickled back. So if you sabotage, you're going to be sabotaged back. And I mean, it's a fun thing. I usually put them in mm-hmm. public art events and um, people find them silly. Some people won't touch them with a 10 foot pole. Oh, no. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. A lot of people are like, no, can't pay me. Uh, I make these two added teddy bears. Um, there, there's been a lot of double in my work for a long time. And so I've just recently realized, I think that that is what that's kind of about is is going to that kind of blissful state of um, thought with meaningful work
Were there any other earlier pieces that you did where there was interaction between two people? Because you were describing it before as like an interaction between the person and the article of clothing. Mm -hmm. and was that the only two or more person one? The tickle machine. Um, uh, actually, the made with love. I didn't intend this, but people got in those together um, yeah. all the time. <laughs> yeah, when I would do those. Um, there's actually yeah a whole part of that series that's all like people getting in in that together. Um, uh, trying to think. Uh, in terms of actually getting into garments, maybe not. I did do at the at the Boston Center for the Arts last year. Um, uh, I did a pickling workshop where I had people come and make pickles with me. Again, kind of accentuating the creative act of cooking or mm -hmm. you know food. Um, which is probably the only other thing that I can think of that we do interact with so intimately that mm -hmm. we're actually taking that into our bodies and it becomes part of you. Uh, so that, and then I, I made them um, sculptures in reaction to the interactions that we did have. So it was a collaboration, um, not quite as even. Uh, and then I made a hand-holding machine, which was would help, help two people's hands together. Mm -hmm. um, and... The yeah, and then there was the first piece that sort of kicked all this off was um, it. It was a kiss machine, but nobody could get in it with me. So it was like this this headpiece that had um, a space for another head to go in that would have held us together in a kiss, but mm -hmm. there was no way to really get into it. So that one was about two people being in something together, but um, it was more about the presence of the absence rather than the presence. Of Trying to imagine like how that would, how there's space for another person they can't. Fit I in. mean, you probably could weaselly right into it, yeah. but um, I'll show is you. it kind of like a balaclava thing? Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. I see. Yeah. And that that it's like a sculptural thing you wear around your neck, and then it's mm -hmm. got a loop that comes mm -hmm. out from your face. Yeah, and it's it's leather, and the loop has like wire uh, sewn into it that you can't see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's. Some of these things are really similar to Andrew Evans' work, and that reminded me of it. Like, the way you described it, I just thought of, like, a two-person balaclava, which she actually made. Uh, I don't know what, if you're I familiar. don't know what that is, no. Yeah, I don't know. Just look up Andrea Evans. Okay, okay. <laughs> Andrea Evans. She, she does performative clothing also. Okay. But, uh, uh, one thing I was wanting to know more about was where you kind of got started on this whole band, because you seem pretty intently focused on using clothing for your muse. Uh -huh. And you said that you worked for um, some clothing place for like seven years, but was it even did it even go deeper than that? Or? Yeah, um, uh, it's it's funny because when I was a little kid, my mom decided to make me a Halloween costume. My mom like wasn't a big sewer, but for whatever reason, one year she didn't want to buy mm -hmm. the clown costume that I wanted to be like at the store, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and so she bought a simplicity pattern, and I, I watched her curse and cry and bleed over this like polka dot fabric and this neck ruffle and she made it she did it and it was beautiful mm -hmm. and I had to wear it for like four or five years after that <laughs> but and then my grandma wore it my sister wore it like she did not let that thing die off easily uh, but I swore I would never so I was like that looks horrible I do not want any part of that and like 10 years later I must have forgotten about that or something because when I was at Mass Art I declared fashion as my major um, I wanted to learn something new I, I had painted before I had taken photographs not that I had been like you know expert at any of that stuff but 
there was something that I just wanted out of my college education to gain a skill that I didn't have before. Um, so I had went in totally fresh and green, and I did hate it for a very long time. I still <laughs> hate it sometimes. Like, it's a miserable act, and it can be extremely frustrating. Um, but that's something that I love about it, too, is that you practice really does make perfect and and you'll always be honing your skills and the more that you do it the better you become at it and the more you can get into that meditational kind of state when you're actually doing it um and so i i studied fashion but all the whole while like not wanting to actually participate in fashion design i was like no i don't want to be a fashion designer so i made these crazy costumes i put a guy on stilts and sent him down the runway and i had two people in one of those costumes actually recently Mm. i was watching that my fashion show from that and i was like oh man there it is again what is going on uh i have a split personality or twin unknown twins exactly uh so um so after after i Graduated from Boston I, or from Mass Art from the fashion department. I moved to New York and I worked in the costume industry for a long time. I worked at this uh, costume fabrication shop that made theme park costumes um, for like in Disney on Ice and stuff like that. Um, and that was really cool because that did was. Did you actually get to make like famous costumes like Mickey or something? Um, we didn't um, some, but they're not as much. A, we didn't do Mickey. We did um, Rugrats. We did all the yeah, Rugrats. They're pretty uh, famous. Yeah, they're pretty famous, uh, and so the way that those costumes were constructed was a much more sculptural approach to um, pattern making and and you know clothing based processes that were not able to use the body. So because you were making these forms that were um, abstractions and or exaggerations of the body, mm-hmm. um, and I think that working there. Um, that made me into a sculptor. You know, that was a real break for me. I What's the construction on those? Do they use, like, wire armature? Um, it's all foam for okay. the most part. There's some... Some of the head pieces were fiberglass, but a lot of those weren't actually fabricated. We would cover the fiberglass uh, uh, heads in um, puppet fleece, which is a kind of fleece that you can kind of erase the seams by picking out. Mm-hmm. You know, material-wise, it's it's this whole world that you never even know about. Yeah. Uh, so there's there's several different types of foam, like the air conditioner type foam that's kind of squishy but and porous, and then Eva foam, which is or EVA foam, which is like a more rubbery. And yeah, you you know use pretty heavy duty glues to put that together, mm-hmm. and um, and you can build be anything light enough that somebody can skate in it. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, but still hold you know and the not shape and not <laughs> yeah. And yeah, that's why we don't use any wire yeah. stuff because it doesn't really hold up. They did some of the Lion King stuff too. I didn't work on any of that, but so um, you know, I I really learned a lot from that, and I started to make sculptures, you know, using um, taxidermy forms and covering that with with fabric and sort of branched out. I still used fat fibers and fabric, but it really wasn't clothing based. And um, I went to grad school with that stuff, and then uh, there was. Um, there was a moment in grad school that I, I noticed that people wanted to touch things a lot, you know, just because of the tactility of um, fibers and our connection to clothing and things. It's just people go right for it. So you gather, they don't care. Like, they'll just, they'll just go ahead and touch it. And that was, that's, that was fine and interesting to me. And so through that, I sort of started to want to make more interactive pieces. Um, and I, uh, I experienced a bad breakup in college, and, uh, and that actually informed, as much as I would hate to say that, uh, especially on my um, that informed so much of my work and made um, the interactive pieces 
I think resonate a lot with me just because um, I had experienced such a, a break um, with how I interacted with people and um, and how I understood the interactions that I was having with people. Uh, it just there was an awareness that wasn't there anymore, and that that's where like the kiss machine comes from. And um, there's also a, a smile machine piece that I made around that time where it's these two bulbs that are on steel rods, so there's resin bulbs at the ends of the steel rods, and you lean into the sculpture and it presses <laughs> your yeah presses the corners of your mouth up into a smile, and you look at your face in the mirror that's right there. So it kind of it's jarring. Everybody laughs when they do it, though, in a, in a very, you know, they always pull their head away quickly because it's an uncomfortable thing. And, the, you know, that idea of, um, you know, putting on masks, putting on these um, facades that, you know, clothing is uh, and what that means. So that, that kind of all came out all, all at the same time mm-hmm. in grad school. And, and that's, I think, where the interactive pieces came from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now you're kind of getting away from the performative or interactive aspect, but do you imagine it ever, like, coming back or, like... Because you were saying how starting away from it is because people, like, weren't sure if they wanted to put themselves in that performative, mm-hmm. participatory situation, but if you could construct a, a setting where it's more controlled and, like, people understand that what they're getting into and mm-hmm. stuff, like... Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh... I nothing right now has has come up. I, it's to me that was very exhausting. You know, you had to. Um, it was great because I got to put so much control into the audience's hand, and I think that a lot of people don't get the uh, opportunity to do that. So that was a really beautiful experience for me to do that. Um, but relying on that, um, you know, and relying on event based um, pieces was hard because, you know, you you. There, physically, it's a lot to transport material and to you know interact with the people and get them to actually put them up, put it on. And yeah, I mean maybe maybe if it was something where you could come to it alone and put it on and um, have your own experience with it. I mean there was I, I toyed with the idea of doing the made with love in like a more dressing room setting where you could go into a space where you didn't have to do it in front of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I'm not, you could also just put it out in public and see who wants to try to wear it. <laughs> yeah, and, and well, you know, that's the other thing. A lot of those things you have to sort of, um, you know, apply for things to do that. I wanted to do it in Times Square because I thought, you know, there's so much commerce around there and, like, sort of set it up like a shop where you could come and uh, try on clothes because that's what you do in the stores anyway. But uh, I think for going forward, there are a couple of performative pieces that I'm interested in doing that do have interactive components to them, but it's more educational. I think that Made With Love was also about uh, my instinct to sort of engage with education. And um, now that I actually am teaching, <laughs> I don't have, don't feel as much to, like I want to do that. I'm working on a, a piece, um, trying to get some funding for a piece called Suit Yourself, which I've done a small scale um it at, through Shishama in New York City where they gave me a space and that for three days I made um, my clothing so the idea for the large scale performance would be to do this for a whole year um, where every single day I make everything that I'm going to wear the next day so I would um, yeah and so and down to like underwear if, I, if it's cold I have to make a jacket maybe there would be some like 
you know, oh, if I make a jacket, it's good for a week or something, you know. Yeah. I don't, time-wise, I'm pretty fast. <laughs> it takes fast. a while to make stuff like that. Uh, I'm pretty fast now. Like, I can do a dress. rush something out of your this Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Well, the other, the, the components of that that is uh, related to this work now is that I want the actual garments to be um, more formal pieces. So, kind of, they would be... Uh, something that could exist as a sculpture like these exist on the wall but mm. they actually are wearable um, but maybe you wouldn't be able to see that or, or however they're displayed as a sculpture doesn't resonate how you actually do wear them. So that's something that I have to figure out um, and negotiate a little bit more um, so that, that project is a, l- a little bit about disposability um, how we do form attachments for that whole year I wouldn't be able to wear any of my favorite t-shirts which would be like horrifying to me (laughs) Uh, but um, you know the the decision making process and how much thought would have to go into predetermined thought would have to go into every day like not only am I making it but I'm also designing it and considering the formal aspects of it you know on the wall or on the body whatever interactions I might have to go engage in like I would be stuck in the studio most of the time, but um, part of the interactive part is to invite people to come for sewing workshops and for a dinner at the end of every week um, to sort of uh, rehash what's happened, see the pieces, um, trials, you know, trial and errors, uh, mm-hmm. and um, you know, trials and tribulations, I guess, uh, of of the, the week's work, and um, just so I don't go so stir crazy. So the interactive mm-hmm. part. I think, you know, that would inform the work, but it's not so much a collaboration, which is what I had been interested in with that mm. other work. I think that will come back. I just need a break from it, I think. Yeah. you think you would ever be interested in just moving into, like, just making pure clothing for people that's, like, your own design and stuff, and it's still got that obvious creative element to it, mm-hmm. this whole school you went to school for. <laughs> mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, I mean... I don't know. I try every once in a while. I mean, I, this summer I'm going to be selling a lot of stuff at, um, uh, like, Artisan Fleas in Brooklyn and stuff. I make a lot of handbags and accessories and stuff. And I have fun with that, but um, I don't I don't know. I don't, I don't like to try and guess what other people are going to want. I guess that... And I'm sure that maybe that's a part of the process that I don't have to engage in, but that's what it feels like when I make fashion work, you mm-hmm. know? Um, or like you're imposing what you like on other people. In a yeah, way, so. it doesn't feel so collaborative. And I know people want like like the designs that I, I mean. I make clothing for myself all the time, um, and I always get compliments on it. And so, and people ask me sometimes if I sell stuff. But they, you know, there's just I think that the energy that that all that thought would take away from the richness of what I do enjoy about making it would would be detrimental to the process. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, like, you never know. <laughs> it, it could be interesting, actually, after doing, um, if, if I can actually do that um, Suit Yourself project for a long time, um, maybe start, you know, taking certain pieces, since there would be a huge wealth of um, work, to kind of pull from and make a collection out of those and sort of produce them and see, um, see what happens with that and, and see if that kind of... Um, I don't know, it kind of feels a little Andrew Warhol, like the story, you know, stuff like that, or, yeah. Um, One thing that I think of, like, kind of Andy Warhol, just, like, mass production of things, like, there's a few pieces here, like the white t-shirt and the gloves and stuff that are 
highly mass producible. You could go to Home Depot and find any of those work gloves mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. And you don't see a lot of that in your work, but do you have any like strong feelings for or against like exploring mass production of clothing? Because that's what most clothing is these mm-hmm. days. Like mm-hmm. I'm wearing jeans that there's like two million pairs of these right. out there. Well, that that's a lot of what Suit Yourself is about. You know, it's how how often. I mean, you can't even buy something that's made within probably a three block radius of you, you yeah, know, or it's in exactly. <laughs> it's mo- it's most likely not even made in the same side of the world that you're on. Uh, and you know, it's that, that project is about thinking about the hands that have touched your clothing, you know, because, um, they are produced by people and, and they have had a life before it comes to you and they will have a life afterwards. You know, like I said, mm-hmm. they go to a thrift store. I buy a lot of vintage clothing that like it, it comes off the shelf, but it had a body in it before. I don't know anything about that body. It's similar to my body, you know, most mm-hmm. likely because it fits me, um, which is interesting. And, and like, what happened to people when they were wearing that clothes? Me- momentous things could have happened, um, you know, like a wedding or, or uh, you know, I don't know, first kiss or whatever. Like just beautiful moments, horrifying moments. Mm-hmm. You know, people could have somebody this guy could have died in this jacket. You know, you don't know. Uh, and and these objects carry that weight. I don't use a lot of new objects, I think, because the weight is different, and, and there's a lot of that thought that, oh, you know, that's a mass-produced piece. And But I, I do think it's important to uh, bring that into, especially this body of work, um, because that is what we're, we're dealing with, and, and that's the reality of, uh, of the... Um, material that I'm, I'm working with and and uh, I, I like I think that sometimes these these pieces where I'm using the more um, you know st- new store-bought um, objects um, they're much simpler gestures you know and I think I can't I can't enter into them so much as you know as I can with this jacket where mm-hmm. you know I spent hours with it and now my hands have have process the material where this one took you know this quick yeah you just cut down the sides yeah very quick gesture <laughs> you know anybody could do that um but but the you know the that's also like you know referencing some it's referencing Rauschenberg with the boxes and um sometimes I think the simplest gestures actually say a little bit more um yeah mm. I guess on the other side, have you ever considered into like actually weaving your own fabric, or it um, takes a bit of know-how. So yeah, I took a weaving class and it was awesome, and I learned so much. Um, and I do sometimes incorporate a little bit of knitting and um, and crocheting. Um, uh, the aesthetic of that stuff for me it hasn't hasn't been something that I'm interested in, and. I don't want it to be, at least where I'm at right now, I don't want it to be about that. I don't want it to be about that part of the process. I wanted it to be more about the formal structure of the entire object rather than thinking about, um, you know, fibers and um, and that kind of tactility. Uh, the weaving is, is really interesting. It's super time-consuming, and I think that if I actually, you know, wove some fabric... I would have a really hard time cutting into that. That would yeah. be, <laughs> <laughs> maybe too heartbreaking for me. It's already the piece. <laughs> yeah, it's not, and which is why you see a lot of fiber art. That's, you know, that is what it is, and it is so beautiful. You know, um, it's it's just a little bit different from where I, I kind of approach the work. I think. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, well, I'm about out of questions for you. If there's anything else you want to follow up with, we can finish there. Okay. All right. Good. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, concludes this episode of Studio Sessions with our guest Stacy Savelli. You can find her work online at stacyasavelli.com. You can also learn more about me at my website, mattcoleman.com. If you'd like to support this program, you can send a donation through PayPal to studiosessionspodcast at gmail.com. Even if you only send $1, your donation helps guarantee I can continue providing interviews with interesting artists for your listening pleasure. And of course, don't forget to visit BigRedAndShiny.com for future episodes along with other arts and culture content. Thank you for listening and see you next time on Studio Sessions. Mm-hmm.